You're listening to the Simple Growth Podcast, the show that helps business owners get their life back. Here's your host, Mike Callahan. Welcome back to the SA Weekly Talk Show. Myself, Mike Callahan, Cody Owen, and special guest, Aaron Suttonfield from RDS Landscaping. Um, Aaron and I go way back. Uh, we were just reminiscing before we hopped on the live uh, version. The first time we really ever met in person was actually at SA1, uh, Service Autopilot's first convention out in uh, Richardson, Texas, I believe it is. And uh, the beginning of the famous SA uh, After Parties, which was actually hosted at Top Golf that year. And Aaron was uh, off showing his golfing skills. Um, and he has been gracious to us to, to uh, join us on vacation from the uh, newly opened beaches in the Carolinas. So, um, Aaron, if, if, if no one has uh, met you or heard of RDS Landscape, you wouldn't mind just kind of breaking down uh, how, you, how you cut your teeth in the lawn care industry. And um, we've got some great topics here to go over here on the SA Weekly coming up. Yeah, um, so our company uh, actually started in 1996, uh, started as a more of a full-scale lawn and landscaping company, uh, did quite a bit, bit of project work during that time, and uh, through the downturn of 2007, 2008, uh, that was a very difficult time for, for project companies, landscape companies in general, a lot of companies, um, and uh, during that time, we decided to sort of evolve and, and uh it was around 2010 or 11 that I was uh, introduced to uh, Jonathan Potoshnik and uh, Service Autopilot um, and uh, did a roundtable with him in 2012. I uh, was very impressed with a lot of what he uh, taught us through that and how City Turf had, had scaled and grown and developed and a lot of the... Um, a lot of that, you know, revolved around service autopilot, obviously, and uh, came back from that roundtable in 2012 and, and became a residential-only uh, service company, um, primarily mowing, fertilization, and small cleanup work. Um, and uh, we did that and um, scaled from basically we, we had just a few clients at that point because we were mainly into project work. So didn't have a lot of residential mowing and, and fertilization at that time. And uh, over the last few years, we have we have grown that considerably. And uh, just in uh, February of this year, we went to a fertilization only company. Um, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that, I'm sure. But we um, spent um, the last six or seven years you know, scaling up. And, and the trend that we noticed is that uh, only about a, a quarter to a third of our clients um, used us for mowing and fertilization. The majority of them wanted fertilization. And so we did make that transition in February. So that's, that's sort of who we are. And, and uh, now we're um, fertilization, weed control, um, aeration seeding is a big thing for us in, the, in North Carolina. We have fescue turf. Uh, so we do quite a bit of that in the fall. And uh, we've added mosquito control and uh, tree and shrub fertilization as well this year. So that's sort of the, the nuts and bolts of who we are. Awesome. I appreciate that intro. And Aaron, obviously uh, we kind of been cut for the same cloth uh, back through Jonathan's round table uh, when SA was, I don't want to say itty bitty, but in their, in their early stages where uh, we both went separately, we ended up in SA's, uh, well, not original office out of um, mini storage units, but their secondary original office um, in a little strip mall, basically. And uh, Jonathan Petoshnik, co-founder of Service Autopilot and of the Long Care Millionaire uh, for a very reasonable price allowed three or four people to come in and actually hang out with them two days and then go down the city turf. Um, so I think the foundational group of Aaron, myself, uh, Garrett Matthews, Chad Cranston, 
um, and a couple other uh, latecomers to a little masterminds group that we've had uh, in the past. Um, speaking of actually Ted Glazier of uh, Summit Lawns, he's actually going to be joining us on the SA Weekly next week. Uh, wow. But it, pretty interesting how we all kind of uh, met Jonathan and kind of um, got attracted to that. And I think some of the things we're going to hit on are, are direct results of those roundtables that we all attended to. Um, and it's interesting, my inner circle, and I, you know, I, I definitely think that uh, Aaron, I consider you part of my inner circle still, just I know we haven't talked in a long time, but I think we shared a lot of the same beliefs and pushed each other in that original masterminds group that we had to continue Jonathan's teaching. Um, but the first thing you mentioned um, that I think was, was the biggest takeaway from a lot of people in that mastermind, and I think you already had, had already set the tone of going that way, um, and it analyzed it, obviously, your internal team, is that you mentioned that you went from design build then to uh, fertilization, weed control, and lawn mowing, and now you just made the kind of the faithful jump um, in February this year to fertilization only. So um, I know you kind of gave us the high-level overview of it. Was there any particular things that caused you to really make that leap of faith? And then once you did make that leap of faith to fert only with obviously some upsell ancillary services such as aeration overseeding and uh, mosquito control, um, would you mind diving in a little bit deeper? Because I know a lot of people in um, that watch the SA Weekly talk show as well as Garrett Matthews, I believe, is pretty much almost same timing as you, uh, done almost the same exact thing in his business. Um, and, and both of you seem to be crushing it now that you've made that, that pure focus to just for weed. Yeah. So, um, it, it was something that I talked about for probably four seasons. Um, we were in the H2B visa program for, um, a couple of seasons, uh, I think three and, uh, the H2B visa program made mowing possible for us. Um, we struggled with mowing without it. Um, and it was, uh, it wasn't, you know, there's a lot of variables to that. I mean, it's not a full time job. Mowing in our, in our area is about 37 weeks. Um, so, you know, what do you do with your, your team, you know, the other 20 some weeks of the year? It's, it's, it's not a full time job. Um, H2B helped us with that. But as we went through that process, um, last year, we did not get our visa, uh, our visas on time. And um, so we were notified in February, I believe. Uh, we start mowing pretty hard in March and April. By April 1st, we're going weekly. Um, and we found it very difficult. We ended up having to contract a good bit of our mowing. And, you know, we didn't really make money on that. We just sort of, you know, covered our cost. And, and what we were looking at at that point was how do we keep these, you know, 250 roughly mowing weekly clients that we had who also got fertilization from us. And uh, that was that was our big concern. It wasn't the mowing. It was it was that. Um, and, um, you know, we made some money on, on mowing, but not nearly what we do on fertilization. So when um, we kept those, we kept the contractors there um, that worked OK, we kept the business. Um, it worked pretty well, but obviously it didn't make some money. So this year we decided we're making the jump. We're going to cut the mowing. Um, and um, we sent letters out on February 3rd. Um, and at that point, um, we saw a little dip in our clients. We, we probably lost somewhere around, I'm looking at some numbers here, roughly 30 clients um, in the first you know, 20 days, 30 days. And then um, we're, we're definitely up um, well over 100 clients over what we had on February 3rd. Um, so we've maintained um, some of those mowing clients that stayed with us. Uh, we've also replaced a, a good number of them. Um, but as, as far as a net gain goes, we're up 100 clients over where we were in February. Um, you know, even through the pandemic, 
Um, and so, um, you know, we have right at a thousand clients as a fertilization only company. Um, and one thing I've seen, uh, we've been a little hesitant with our marketing right now with the pandemic. Um, I, I'm a little conservative uh, than some of my other, other friends in the business. Um, but uh, I, I believe that, uh, that, that we have not lost anything from dropping mowing. Uh, we've been able to streamline our business. We have, um, you know, all of our, our fertilization techs will be full-time employees. Um, you know, we're, we're paying, um, you know, between forty and, and $50,000 a year to a fertilization tech. Um, and we're just able to have a higher caliber employee um, in that and uh, with that, with fertilization only. So that's, that's one of the positives. Um, to it, but it has not been painful. It was, it was something that I worried about for the last four seasons. Kind of feel like I was forced into because we lost some labor um, through H2B. I did not like playing the, the H2B lottery. Um, it's what it became. Um, it really just stressed me out way too much. Um, it wasn't worth it uh, in the long run. And you know, we were we were getting six visas for 250 clients, and you know, we were spending eight to ten grand a year on it. And then to find out we weren't getting them it was just really painful and it was almost like playing the lottery. Uh, it is like playing the lottery and that's just not a, a good way to do business in my opinion. Um, and so, so for us, um, you know, we, we really wanted to be a fertile only company and I, and I like that. So, um, so that's kind of how we, that's, that's how we came about doing that. And that's what's happened so far as a result of it. I, I don't think it's been a negative at all. Like, Let's okay. get into that, that transitional season where you were working with subcontractors to, to make this happen. I feel like that's, that's the hardest point is like making the decision and then having to like find a way to take care of the clients who are, who are gonna end up like, you know, ending up with something other than what they maybe wanted. How, how did y'all make that work from a communication standpoint? Like, did clients know that this was a subcontractor? Or how did you make sure the quality was up to your standards? Yeah, so um, we did not officially tell our clients that we were using contractors. We really debated hard on that. And we were really worried about, you know, how, um, you know, just if we if we brought that out, what would what would happen? And, and we we did not say anything officially. Um, there were people who realized it. it. I will tell you this: it was not a problem for our clients. I can't speak for others, but for us, it was not. Um, and then one thing that was really helpful, I believe, and, and why the transition was so successful this February is we handed that business to those contractors. Um, I've been asked by a couple of people, you know, why didn't you sell it to them? Why didn't you try to make some money on it? I really didn't want any attachment to them. I didn't want any attachment to their quality or anything like that. I wanted to be able to say, and, and we, when we made the switch in February, we sent, um, we spent a lot of time. We, we gave our contractors very detailed information about the client, how long they had been our client, their address, their phone numbers, their emails, all that. And we sent letters to the clients, um, that uh, that corresponded to the contractor that had been with them. And we said, hey, you've had, you know, for example, Robbie's one of our contractors. Robbie has been cutting your lawn for the last year. Robbie's done a good job. Um, Robbie will be taking over um, the mowing if you choose. Uh, Robbie has your information. You have Robbie's information. You guys need to connect here in the next few, few weeks to get set up for the season. Um, and Robbie knew how much we charged them. He, he honored those prices. Um, 
and and that's just one example. We have I think we ended up with four different uh, contractors that we sent the work to, um, and that has gone really well. And we told the clients then we said, hey, we have not financially gained by this. Um, we're trying to. Um, our, we were very transparent. Our goal is to maintain your fertilization business if you so choose. We understand if you want one company, no hard feelings. Um, you're not under contract with us. You won't be under contract with the the new contractor. Um, so it, it really went well, and I think it was very comforting for them to know that they were going to be dealing with um, a person who had been in their own the previous year. So I think that worked well to, to kind of transition from contract, you know, from our employees to a contractor, then to hey, we're not going to move for you. We're going to let you work for someone else. Um, and I think that worked well, um, as well as it could. Wow, that's, that's really interesting. Um, so I mean, that's it'd be almost ideal if you're going to sell a business to actually do that in the, in the interim year so you could actually transition that over without the churn. Um, I know one of the things, Aaron, that I find really interesting um, that we when we first met is your estimate process and um, how you present your services and offer and how you – um, traditionally get those estimates out in a really quick fashion. Would you mind kind of lifting the hood of, of what your process looks like to go out and estimate those fertilization and weed control estimates? And um, has that consolidation of services actually made it easier for you? Yeah. So, um, so we've always, um, and this is something I learned through Jonathan um, and one of the big takeaways from the round table with him was, you know, they were really big and probably still are on getting estimates out in 24 hours or less. We do the same. Um, for the first seven or eight years of, of our business model that we're in now, our girl, our girls in the office would do that. And, um, they did a really good job with it, but they were always, you know, especially in the mowing years, we're really busy with a lot of calls and a lot of, you know, questions, issues, things that come up, you know, from weekly service. Um, and so they would get overwhelmed, especially in our, we have a real big selling season, um, March through May is a big sign up season for us. Um, and so they would really get overwhelmed. And, and what we what we found um, is they were not always able to call clients and talk to them. A lot of times, especially when they were busy, they were just sending an estimate to the client very quickly, mind you. And our estimate form is very detailed. We explain each service. And one thing we try to do is that I think we're pretty successful with and talking to some other companies is we sell our basic. We have a basic seven round package that we sell uh, fertilization weed control. And then we also have the fall aerating and seeding uh, uh, business as well. We sell fall aerating and seeding when they sign up with the seven round package. It's in there. They can check it off and not accept it if they choose. Um, but we don't have this, this problem of having to go out in the summer right before the fall season and say, hey, do you want seeding this fall? We just, they're already signed up. We know right now um, how many of our clients need fall seeding. Um, and that number will grow a little bit in that fall season, but we're not having to sign up 100% of those people every year. They know that they're on there. Now, we do call them ahead of time before we come and all that and tell them we're coming. Um, but as far as the sales cycle goes, we sell those services at the beginning. We also do fungicides in the summer here. It's really important for fescue to have fungicide treatments to, to prevent fungus and brown patch that, that comes in the, in the summer. And we make that an option, too. So we try to sell those three options with every, every client that gets an estimate. And then um, they would send the estimate out to them. And then we do your 20-day to close. Um, and I'll tell you that, you know, the girls had a hard time always doing the 20-day to close because of all the other jobs they had. So last July, uh, by the way, our close rate over the last uh, seven or eight years has always been right around 50%. Um, and, you know, keep in mind, some of these clients weren't even getting a phone call 
you know, they may leave us a message, you know, we might, uh, or they, they go to our website, fill out a form, you know, give us their email address and we would send them an estimate. Uh, and then we, we would do the email follow-up automatically and some of the phone calls, but it wasn't really good because nobody was dedicated to that. Um, and so last July we hired a dedicated salesperson. Um, that's their job. And now our process is we call you. So if you go to our web form, fill out a form, we're going we're gonna to call you and we're going to talk about what you're looking to get out of your service and get an understanding of, of what you're expecting and then tell you about how we do lawn care, how we do fertilization, what, what does that look like for us. Then we send you an estimate, same 24 hours. Um, and then that, that salesperson is doing the 20-day to close. That's their job. They're doing the follow-up calls. They're doing all this. Our close rate is now close to 80%. Um, wow. So – you know, it would have been very difficult to have a dedicated salesperson in the early years. It was hard. Um, you know, we were trying to get by. We were, you know, trying to build the company, trying to get the work done. You know, it's really hard when you're scaling early on. But as you as you do scale and you can afford to, uh, that's been a, a positive for us to have that person um, who's in there. Um, we actually have someone who's a little older doing that job. They're retired. They actually spend about 30 hours a week. Um, they do have some sales experience. Um, and so I think that has helped, um, but they work from home. They don't even come into our office. Everything's done through the to-dos and the service autopilot. Um, and they watch those to-dos and they get, they get estimates out and that's their job. So, um, I think our sales process is, is strong because of how we do it, but also, um, I think that touch and that call and, 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 and educating the client, finding out what they're expecting, you know, setting expectations. Um, I can see a difference in our clients. They're giving us a longer um, opportunity to, to get their yard right. They, they're educated more. So they, they don't expect one visit and to have the, the best yard in the neighborhood. They understand it's a, you know, eight to 10 month process um, in our area, for example. So, so that's been really positive. Um, wow. So that, that's awesome. <laughs> I, obviously it's working uh, beachside there and still closing sales, brother. So congrats on that. I love it. <laughs> Uh, I'm loving the background behind you too. Not that it's uh, distracting at all, but it, it's pretty, it's pretty insane that you are on the beach uh, doing a little essay weekly. So uh, we had a couple of people out in Arizona that uh, were doing it for the backyard, but I, I think you might have the, uh, the lifestyle entrepreneur award for 2020 so far. Um, and you mentioned bringing in all those new clients. So uh, a, a big talk, especially the round table with Jonathan, especially in the SA community, especially dealing with Clarent now and the great service they provide for SA uh, clients is, um, do you guys require a credit card on file? Is that optional? And how has that historically yeah. been done? Yeah. So, um, so just explain the sales process. So the email, we email everything, um, to the client. The client then has to accept the estimate for us. Once that is accepted, a to-do is created for our office assistant, and her job is to go in and set up the job, and then she pauses the job, and then um, she starts collecting the credit card information. Her, the to-do tells her to set up the job and collect the credit card. At that point, the client, and the client is told in the estimate, you have to accept this estimate through this link, and we have to have a credit card on file before service begins. So then the uh, automation kicks off an, an email to the client saying we need, we need payment information to start the job. Um, and then she collects the payment. Once payment is collected, um, and yeah, 100%, we, we will not take you unless you give us a credit card. 
The only caveat is if you want to pay us in advance, uh, we'll give you a 5% discount and we'll take payment in advance. But that's it. And we will let you walk if you don't give us a credit card. Um, I would say on average, it's like less than 1% of clients walk. It, it's just not even worth debating or discussing for us. It's, it's not a problem. Um, once they give us payment, then she unpauses the service and she creates a to-do for our operations manager, letting him know that there is a new client and it's time to schedule the work. Obviously, the work sits on a, a waiting list, but we want to know when we have a new client because not only do we want to get them an estimate quick, we want to get to their house quickly. Uh, we want to get to their house within seven days or five business days is our goal internally. So, um, And our operations manager um, has a lot of field experience, and he actually has a small tank in his truck, and he'll go do the first visit typically. Um, not always, but typically, especially in a normal sales cycle. Uh, for sure, but uh, gives him a chance to see the lawn. Because keep in mind, we don't do lawn visits to sell either. We're using Google Earth Pro. We're measuring the, the turf. Um, so we're doing our best not to visit a house before they become a client. We tell people, hey, we'll come as many times as you ask us to. Um, and if they have an issue at any point when they're a client, we try to get to their house within 48 hours. Um, but, you know, ultimately, we want to do everything we can to not have to visit that house and waste time. Um, and energy until they become a client. So, sweet Cody, you got any questions? That the jump in close rate is just crazy. Like it just shows you the power of actually following up and getting those touches. Um, how how has managing that remote employee gone? Because you guys were doing that before we were kind of sheltering in place with that, like going well before this. Yeah. Yeah. It really has. And in full disclosure, um, uh, the, the, the employee we hired is my father. So, um, it, it uh, it, it's gone well. It, I would not hesitate not to allow anyone in our company to work from home. Um, when we went shelter in place, we actually went shelter in place before any government, um, the, the governor or our, our city asked us to, um, we sent our office home, um, and so we have um, a part-time office person who does a lot of HR, payroll, um, accounting type stuff. She's been with us for 10 years. She has worked from home. Our full-time office assistant um, has worked from her home, and then my salesperson, my dad, he worked from home. He's always worked from home, um, and, and it went really well working from home. That has not been a problem. Um, you know, with the to-do structure that we have and, you know, with the way we, our process is, we can see if people aren't doing their job. I mean, it's pretty simple. Um, and it's just, you know, I'm sure there's more downtime. I'm sure there's time where they, you know, do things that aren't business related. I don't really care as long as they get the, the job done. You know, it just, it, it really hasn't been a problem. I think we have the right people in those places and we're fortunate for that. I think it could be a problem for some people, but um, it has not been for us. And it was, I tell you this, I'll give a SA shout out here. We could not have gone through this COVID situation without SA. Absolutely could not have done it. Um, if we were not in, on the cloud and, and having the process we have, we would have, we would have been, it would have been a, a nightmare. Um, so without that, that would have been horrible. If we were using whiteboards and, you know, sticky notes and stuff like that in the office and trying to, you know, chase our tails around all day, it would have been a nightmare. So, um, so yeah, it, it, working remotely has worked well. Um, 
and uh, and yeah, the, the sales, the sales, uh, the sales follow up. I, I think our office, um, our you know, the two girls in our office could have done well with the sales too, if that's all they had to do. I think the difference was that having a dedicated person on the sales was the was the difference. And and, and my dad does have a lot of experience in sales, uh, so I think you know having somebody who understands how to talk to people and you know and get information from them and and work with people helps. But I think having that dedicated person that just follows those steps um, is key. And again, it's hard to do early on. It really is. I think it, it's something that as you can afford to do it, you need to try it. Interesting. And, and Aaron, I, I hear a, a repeating uh, focus here throughout the last half hour here is we're talking a lot about people and what they're doing and what they um, and how they're interacting with your clients or how they're interacting with your other people on your team. So I, I would beg the question is, um, have you instituted anything like core values, mission, vision, values, and um, looks like we may have lost Aaron. Lost him. We did lose him. So we'll see if he pops back in. But um, uh, I think one of the successful things that we've seen with Aaron um, and just knowing him and I, some of the conversations we had before then is he uh, one of the main things that he talked about was creating a, a culture. And that's something we did at Callahan's Lawn Care as well. Um, and, and he went in and I'm actually going to pull up some notes real quick on the other screen because I think it, even if Aaron isn't here, uh, at least I can paraphrase it because I think it was really interesting. Um, Aaron's core values and what they, they differentiated themselves from all the other businesses in his area. And this is something that, um, you know, in our business, when we hit a certain plateau that we really had to do to be successful and go out and recruit, um, higher level employees. And I know that's an issue after you, you lose that H2B and we lost the H2B, uh, almost identical to, um, that. Now you're good. No worries. So he's uh, coming back in. But um, Aaron, while, while we had lost you there, and you're probably uh, grabbing a Corona out of the uh, fridge there or the uh, cooler, so it's okay. We're, we're good. Um, uh, we we're talking about core values and um, how how that's allowed you to differentiate yourself from your other competitors. So uh, if you've got a few more minutes here, obviously we know we probably are on compressed time. Um, if you could kind of dive in, and I, I know you had a group of core values about client first quality driven teamwork, respect, and trustworthy, uh, trustworthy. How did you guys go about building those core values and how they have affected you to be able to go out and recruit and hopefully retain some of these higher level employees, um, that we traditionally found at Callahan's when we did the same thing. Yeah. So, uh, we worked with, uh, Ryan Chipman from, uh, used to be with Snyder tree. Yep. Uh, Ryan's a SA, I think he's a certified SA, um, advisor and, uh, they're really big in the EOS. Um, they coach EOS as well. And uh, we went through some, some training with them um, two years ago. And we did develop uh, a core focus and core values. And you mentioned some of those. And, uh, you know, the, we spent an entire day working on just that. It, we started at 8 in the morning. We broke for lunch. We actually had lunch delivered to our office. We ate there at the table and went right back at it. It, it was a, an intense eight-hour, nine-hour day of just thinking about core values. And, you know, um, and so we, we really did dig into what are our core values, what are things that are true to us. And, and so um, that was important. I'll be honest with you, I did absolutely nothing with them much uh, after that uh, until this, this winter when we were going to go third only. Um, I really wanted to start working with our, our employees. We went from 
you know, six mowing employees, two fur techs, and, you know, a crew that did some cleanup work to just three, you know, fur techs and an operations manager who, who also helps them some. So we were really able to work with these guys and, and push our core values. Everything we do with our employees, uh, every decision we make for our clients does get run through that filter. Um, you know, client first is, is a core value of ours. And so, you know, what does that look like? We talk about that with our guys all the time. I'll give an example um, where uh, we put the client first just a few weeks ago. Um, you know, we had an issue in a client's yard. Um, we, we sprayed his yard last year. Um, and at the time we felt like we had done something incorrectly. We, we damaged some of his zoysia turf. And, uh, as a result, it's kind of late in the season. We weren't able to, to repair that and let that grow in. So we, we committed to him that we would resod those sections and, uh, we resodded close to 3000 square feet of his yard out of our pocket. Um, and, uh, you know, the whole time I was out there with our guys, I laid the sod. It was, it was a big day. Cut, Cutting in sod is a lot harder than laying sod on new ground. So, you know, we spent an entire 10 hours out in this property with, with myself and three other guys. And the whole time we were talking to them and saying, guys, this is client first. You know, we've made a mistake. This is client first. Interestingly, when we pulled the turf back, uh, we noticed that they had some grub damage and some things that, you know, when we went to fertilize, impacted that yard negatively. Really wasn't 100% our fault. Um, we showed the client, but it was still we put the client first. I mean, it'll take us years to make back money that we've, that we've had to invest in this yard. Um, but that's how serious we are about putting the client first, for example. And we just try to, in a case like that, we want to make sure that we're, you know, promoting that and talking about that the whole time with them. Um, at least two to three times a week, our operations manager spends the morning about 10 minutes each morning, you know, two or three times a week talking about the five core values that we have. Um, when we give merit raises or we discipline, we talk about the core values. We, we tell guys that ultimately you're not a bad person. If you don't meet our core values, you just aren't right for us. It's not personal. It's not, man, I don't like the way he, you know, looks, you know, I don't like the way, you know, he does, he walks this, you know, from here to this machine. It's, it's how do the core values impact you? What, how do you use our core values? Do you believe in those? Um, and I can tell you that we've taken a few guys this year who probably didn't meet our core values when they walked through the door, but they understand them now and they respect them and they're, they're, they're living them out each day. Um, and, and because we are doing third only, we're not as pushed for time. We, we have a little more time in our day. Um, you know, if we miss a day for some weather, we're not behind for the whole week. We can just push that work back. This makes it a lot easier for us as a fruit only company to, to promote our core values. Um, and, uh, you know, our employee handbook talks a lot about our core values as well in there. And, and you know, we, we just went through, uh, we just rolled out our handbook a few weeks ago and, and we're talking about, you know, core values in that. And so everything we do, the products that we order, we think about, you know, is it, is it the best for our clients? Is it, you know, is it quality driven? Quality driven is a big one for us. We talk about, you know, our, with our guys every day, they wear uniforms and we, we, we uh, actually have a uniform service. Um, and we talk about, you know, quality driven is the way you look. You know, it starts from, you know, if your truck, if you pull up and it looks like you've been four wheeling over the weekend in our truck, you know, how does that, you know, how does that look to the client? And, and is that quality? Is that going to, you know, promote what we're doing, which is to make their yard look like the best on the, on the block? Um, you know, if you get out with your shirt untucked and the truck looks like crap, are you really quality? You know, 
And so, um, yeah, core values determine a lot of how we how we do things um, at RDS, and and we spent a lot of time on them. It wasn't something we did in, in five minutes, and they sound good, and and we talk about that with our guys all the time. These are not. We believe these these mean a lot to us, and if they don't mean something to you at some point, it's going to be tough for you to to, to fit here. Wow, that's awesome! And I love I love the fact that you you kind of didn't exactly say it, but I believe that you are going out and hiring, training, and firing to those core values. And if they you know they be, they may be a great technician, but they may not be on the right bus because they're not aligning to what you guys are having. So I think that's really cool. Um, that you guys have taken that step. And I think that a lot of the people who have given, uh, dove into that EOS is seeing the same exact results. Um, I don't know if before you dove into that, Aaron, or not, if you'd read the book Traction by Gino Wickman. Um, interesting, basically, breakdown of the EOS system. Is that something you had read before you dove in or during the process? I had not. Um, yeah, I, I did after, um, after meeting with them and, and getting into it, but I had not read it before. Um, I know Ryan. Actually, um, Ryan and I had a mutual friend, and I think Ryan actually found out about, about ISA through us, actually, uh, years ago. Um, and, you know, just through all the uh, talks Ryan and them gave at, at SA uh, conferences and things like that. And he and I just had gotten to know each other uh, pretty well. And, and just talking to him is how I really found out more about EOS. Um, we do implement some of EOS, not 100%. I love the weekly meeting. Uh, yep. we, do, we do implement that. A lot of what I do is I kind of set the agenda for a week. Um, I hand that over to the office assistant and the operations manager and their jobs to you know, handle that production for the week and, and do what they can to get that done. Uh, this week's a good example. They're getting rained out like crazy and, and it's going to be a tough week for them. Um, but, uh, you know, we're, we're getting close to the point where, you know, I can be away a little bit more and we can still, um, you know, we're doing our sales, we're doing our follow up, we're doing our, our, uh, our calls, um, and getting our production done. Um, and, uh, and, and the operations manager I have is, is really awesome. Um, he, he's, he's got about 18 years of experience, um, has a servant's heart, thinks about, um, I mean, he, he meets our core values as well as I do. Um, and so that's been really, really key to a lot of our success this year, too, uh, is, is, is him. So. Well, that's, that's phenomenal. I'm really glad to see like the, the evolution of the business there. I've been really impressed with this from day one meeting you and how that business has scaled and grown. You just continue to innovate um, as many people have done in this SA ecosystem. So really appreciate just kind of lifting the hood and showing us what can be done in a business when you're serious about it and you bring on the team and you do the right things. Um, so as we're kind of closing this up here, I don't know if you have any closing thoughts. Um, out of the five or six things we've done over there, is there one thing, if somebody's looking at all the things you're doing, uh, whether it's core values, the estimating process, credit card on file, or consolidating your services to a predictable one or two service uh, focus, what would be the biggest takeaway if somebody's watching this? Where would you start for the biggest ROI? Wow. Uh, huh. Didn't see that one coming, did you? Yeah, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's really hard to just say one of those words. Um, I don't know if you remember Jonathan saying this in the round table. I remember that would be the thing that a lot of guys in the round table would say, Hey, well, which one should I start with? And he would always say, it's not really one thing we're doing. And, and a lot of times he was talking about marketing, you know, it's not just SEO or it's not just AdWords or door hanging. It's all of them together. And, and, you know, when it comes to, um, you know, I, I would say operation wise and, and just, you know, we've always tried to, do what we say, 
when we say it. And, and I guess for us, that's meant we've grown a little slower maybe um, because I'm always fearful of, of letting down a client. Um, and so, you know, for us, it's always, we've probably focused on operations, um, how, we, how we get the work done, how we schedule the work, um, what are we putting on the yards? Those types of things have always been a big focus um, for us. And, and so I think that's probably where we started first. I don't know that that makes sense for everybody, but, um, you know, sales is important. Marketing. Um, sorry, guys, there's a big chopper going by right now. Okay. <laughs> say, uh, say, squirrel. <laughs> you have to be ADD to be in business, I think, right? Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> So, um, no, I think it's, you know, I think making sure that um, one thing I would do is making sure that, that the way you do it today is scalable. If you can't, you know, if what you're doing today doesn't scale, it's going to be hard. Uh, so I think just making sure that, that your operation, um, how you get clients on board, how you get, you know, get to the yards, you know, um, SA was probably huge for us early on, you know, scheduling and how many hours we save and how much money we've saved in our operation over the last eight to nine years by being able to just go to a dashboard and pull stuff off or a waiting list and pull stuff off. And, you know, we spent that first winter in 2011, we set up SA. I probably spent two months really just playing with that and figuring that out. And we still use a lot of the packages and things that we set up in 2012. I mean, you know, it works. You know, it just it works for us, and we, we get a little scared when when things change. To be honest with you, because you know it, it works, and um, so I think you know you gotta you gotta at some point do all of it. Um, but I guess you better better figure out how you're gonna take care of your clients and make sure that the clients you have stay with you. Um, that's something I'm pretty proud of. We don't, you know, we we have a you know, we keep clients for an average of right around four years, um, and and that's that's important. We're not having to replace clients a lot. Um, and, and, you know, I think the thing we need to improve on is our marketing. We need, we need to take the, uh, the reins off a little bit and open up our marketing. Um, and with third only now, I feel comfortable doing that. We can have a much larger area to service because we're not, you know, as, as hamstrung by having two men in a truck with low margins, we can go further with one guy in a truck. Um, and so we, we need to improve our marketing. Um, and, and take the reins off of that and scale this thing now. We're, we're ready for that. Awesome. Well, I can't thank you enough. Enjoy the beach. Uh, SA Weekly Talk Show coming at you again next week with Ted Glazier of Summit Lawns. Um, also kind of from that inner master, mastermind circle that we were all a part of there for a while and uh, still continue to talk, obviously, offline. But, um, uh, you know, big biggest takeaway, Aaron, I think, is, is set those operations up to scale. And I think that uh, as I'm sitting here reflecting, you know, seven or eight years ago with that, that talk with Jonathan and Chad and Garrett, um, I gotta say that was probably my biggest takeaway and a lot of those systems we're still teaching and using to this very day. So, uh, Jonathan, if you are watching a uh, big, thank you from at least myself and, uh, the part of that masterminds group that was formed after that, uh, cause that definitely helped scale a business. And I feel like a lot of the teachings that we're sharing here in the essay weekly talk show are reflecting that. So, Hey man, have a great weekend. I appreciate it. We'll see you next week at 12. Uh, Central, 1 p.m. Eastern with Ted on the SA Weekly Talk Show. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Mike. Bye. If you like this show, you might want to check out our resources at www.startsimplegrowth.com. While you're there, enter to win an estimator chatbot. Mike Callahan is available for private coaching.